This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of MaxList. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps professionals find fulfilling careers. Every week on Find Your Dream Job, I interview a different career expert. We discuss the tools and tactics you need to find the work you want. This week, I'm talking to Lita Tohidi about how to break into tech if you're not a techie. Look at a job board today, and you'll see lots of open positions with technology companies. And it's no wonder why. Tech is hiring everywhere, and for all kinds of jobs. You're not a techie, but you send off a resume, and another, and another, and you get no response. What's the problem? Our guest today says tech offers lots of opportunities for people without tech backgrounds. But to get a job, you need to pay attention to relationships, do your homework, and stress how you can add to a company's bottom line. Want to learn more? Listen in now at the MaxList studio as I interview Lita Tohidi about how to break into tech if you're not a techie. Lita Tohidi is an experienced digital marketer, program manager, and strategic planner. She's passionate about promoting diversity and inclusion in technology companies. Lita speaks regularly at technology conferences and runs a mastermind program for women in tech. She joins us today from San Francisco's Bay Area. Welcome to the show, Lita. Thank you, Mac. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, our topic today is how non-techies can break into tech companies. And often, Lita, people think you need to be an engineer or a coder to work in tech. Why, why isn't that true? So tech as a whole is pretty new as an industry. Having said that, it's probably the fastest growing industry. So we have thir- $4 trillion in revenue in tech just this year alone. And it's an industry that's growing uh, 5% a year. So I mentioned all that just to say that there is definitely uh, room for growth and there's definitely room for a lot of folks with different backgrounds within the tech industry. So it it's booming. Uh, there are a lot yes. of different kinds of occupations. Tell us more, Lita, what kind of jobs in tech don't require engineering degrees or, or coding skills? So if you can think of many companies, uh, in tech, there are similar roles for the same type of function. So in many companies, there are obviously marketing, design roles, sales, uh, customer service, uh, HR, legal, uh, operations. So within tech and within startups, there would be all of these same roles as well. And for all of those roles, actually having a non-tech background is fine. And I would say None of these roles actually require engineering degree or coding skills. Uh, once you get into, obviously, software development, uh, product management, those are the types of roles where actually would definitely help and is required to have coding skills. But for a lot of roles uh, within tech, uh, you definitely don't need to have that background. 
What about educational requirements? Do, do you need a degree from a university or maybe an associate's degree from a community college to, to work in most tech occupations? So what is really great and what I've noticed uh, having worked in tech for over six years and having been a hiring manager for all of that time is that most people that have come through our doors have had a various um, experiences before coming in. Some people, of course, have had a university degree. Some have come with a community college degree or an associate's degree. And other people I know actually have just graduated from high school. So in that sense, uh, working in tech is a lot based on what you can do at the company and not so much where you studied. Of course, it's taking some time to shift those perspectives and not everyone uh, thinks in that way. But I would say that it is the industry where you can actually have the most opportunities at your disposal, even without a, an advanced degree. What about people who uh, perhaps don't have a college degree or, or even an associate's degree? Should they be looking at, at training programs? I'm thinking, for example, often local universities might offer a, a certificate program where you attend a, a certain number of col- college classes and you uh, have this uh, uh, hands-on training in a in a technology world. Is that helpful in your experience as a hiring manager? I definitely think so. And I would say that even an intensive program like a boot camp that fits your schedule uh, and that will help you to get to the point that in your career that you need and that you want to enter the tech field, that it would really help you. So uh, busy lifestyle and you are transitioning from a full-time role elsewhere into tech, you can actually do so at your convenience uh, as a lot of these certificate programs are offered in the evenings or even on weekends as well. So I definitely um, say you should search around and see what what is uh, a good fit for you, your needs. So when... People are, what what are the benefits of those programs Uh, when you're a hiring manager in technology and you're looking at a candidate who has perhaps done a boot camp at a coding academy or um, a certificate program at a university in digital marketing? Why does that credential help a candidate stand out? I find that credential helps candidates stand out because it shows me that this person knows what they want and also has gone after it. Um, And at the same time that they have the skills and the ability to handle a fast paced uh, work style. So for all tech environments I've worked in, it's been quite fast paced. And there's almost never been an occasion where there's been a training program or even a day of training, like you pretty much hit the ground running. And I would say when someone graduates from a certificate program or bootcamp program, I know how uh, intense that curriculum is because I'm teaching it. And so if someone has successfully graduated from that and can show me that their skills are on par with someone else who has a degree, then I already know they have the work ethic that it takes to be very successful in a fast-paced environment. So that's, for me personally, as a hiring manager, what uh, makes me look at these candidates um, in a very good uh, light, even if they may not have the advanced degree that someone else has. And what do you recommend for listeners who might be considering applying to a certificate program or, or coding academy? What should they look for and what should they watch out for, Lita? One thing I would say that they should look for is obviously whether this 
program caters to their needs. So some people really enjoy the on-campus uh, and in-person element, which I definitely do. And that's why all of the courses I've taught have been in-person. There are some people who prefer uh, learning online, but I would just say a red flag for me there would be if you have never managed to complete an online course on your own, then don't assume that this will be a, a different situation. So online courses are great, but they tend to have a lot uh, higher attrition rates and a lot fewer people who actually complete the program just because of so many factors. Um, it's a lot easier to get distracted online. There's not the social proof that you would have with folks in the classroom. There's not the one-on-one -on -one attention you get from the instructor. So for me, it's, it's a red flag just because I know that a lot of people who have done online co courses and they'd be happy to talk with you and there's no obligation to ever sign up for a course. Okay. So I think often when people uh, think about jobs in the technology sector, they imagine some open space loft with a workplace filled with people in uh, early in their career, perhaps uh, just in their 20s, who mm -hmm. are coders and engineers, and, and that's it. And what I'm hearing you say, uh, the, the workplace is actually very different. Can you tell our listeners what uh, a typical tech workplace might be and the different roles and skills and, and points uh, in their career people might be at? Sure. So it very much depends, right? So I've tended to work in small startups because that's where I thrive. One of my top five values is impact. And I can make a lot of impact as a team lead and a director at a company that has a few hundred employees versus a few hundred thousand. So of course, uh, there's I, I wouldn't be the right fit to go work at Amazon, for example. Um, the top 10 uh, technology companies in the world, they're going to have a much more um, hierarchical uh, system. And the even the scenarios in which you can work tend to be that you work very closely within your team because everyone is specialized on something because the, the products that you are working on are reaching millions and sometimes even hundreds of millions of people if you're uh, in a very important role within one of those uh, top 10 companies. And then if you are on the other side of the spectrum of tech, which is in small startups, then it does tend to be open office spaces and uh, though I would say personally, for me, that um, that is sometimes a, a little bit uh, distracting to, to work for the full day. So that's why the office tends to be um, open so that you feel free to walk around and work with people in different teams. Okay. Well, that's terrific, Lita. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about searching for uh work in tech itself, particularly for non-techies. Sure. Uh, and so when we come back, uh, Lita and I will continue to talk about how to break into tech if you're not a techie. One of the best ways to build relationships and get the introductions that Lita recommends is through informational interviews. And good networkers walk into every informational interview with a set of questions. But don't forget, when you're ready to interview for a job, an employer will have a set of questions you need to answer too. And you can count on every hiring manager you meet to ask what are called behavioral interview questions. Here's an example of one. Tell me about a time when you found a mistake made by a colleague. What would you say? 
Managers don't ask this question to embarrass you. Instead, employers want to hear examples of past experience. To give your best answer, you need a plan. And I've got a new guide that can help. It's called 100 Behavioral Interview Questions You Need to Know. Get your free copy today. Go to maxlist.org slash questions. In this 12-page publication, I give you a four-step process for expertly answering any behavioral question. And I include a list of the 100 most common behavioral interview questions. Go to maxlist.org slash questions. Don't go to your next job interview unprepared. Get your copy today of 100 behavioral interview questions you need to know. Go to maxlist.org slash questions. Now, let's get back to the show. We're back in the MaxList studio. I'm talking with Lita Tohidi. She's an experienced technology executive who runs a mastermind program for women in tech. And she's joining us today from San Francisco's Bay Area. Uh, Lita, before our break, we were talking about the technology world, and you made some great points. Uh, One is that there are lots of opportunities for uh, people with non-tech backgrounds uh, that training, uh, particularly uh, with academies, coding academies rather, or certificate programs can give candidates an advantage, and that uh, the popular conception about the tech workplace is uh, 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 some loft and um, a... 19th century building with open space and lots of people in their 20s just isn't true for the technology world in general. Um, Let's talk about the job search itself. For listeners who have non-tech backgrounds and want to break into tech, how do you recommend they get started? So I would say this is where your preferred search engine of choice is your best friend. So Google, Yahoo, Baidu, wherever you are in the world. Um, And you spend most of your living time at work. So you definitely want to make sure that the tech industry and the types of companies that you are going to target are going to be a fit for you because we tend to spend over 2,000 hours of our lives a year at work and over 100,000 years of our lives. Uh, sorry, <laughs> let me redo that. Let me redo that. I, you tend to spend over 2,000 hours of your life. Yes. Uh, a year at work and over a hundred thousand hours of your life um, over your, the course of your career. And these are very uh, rough estimates based on 40 hour work weeks. And I would definitely tell you that the tech industry is known for having longer than 40 hour work weeks. So that's how I recommend everyone to start is to search around, uh, look for articles based on the types of companies that they feel they would be a fit for. And that's something that, only you can know. So there's some people who would excel really well in a giant company because they really like to specialize and they really like to be uh, at a place that you know has a lot of other benefits to their um, to their work. For people like me who want to have a lot of personal impact and change a lot of uh, things on a product or a service and have a lot of personal um, growth as well, then it might be better that you're targeting a smaller company. So these are areas that I would say to definitely uh, get to know better because the tech industry is quite large, as I mentioned before, and it's uh, tens of thousands of companies uh, 
just in the U.S. alone. So definitely getting a sense of where you would fit um, would be really helpful before you start submitting even a single job application. What other research do you recommend people do besides uh, exploring online? Uh, how, when they step away from the computer and they want to figure out the companies where they might work, what are good ways of doing that, Lena? I find that it's quite helpful to connect with people. So you can definitely do this in person. So it's really helpful if you go to networking events or even hackathons. I know that that's how I started getting into the tech industry. And I would say start going to those because you'll then meet people who are working uh, in tech day in and day out, and they will be the best source of real information as to what the work is like. And you would get a sense of whether you enjoy doing this work or not by going to these types of events. So that's something I definitely recommend. I'm glad you brought up Startup Weekends. While I've never taken part in one myself, I I have friends and colleagues who have. And the teams uh, mirror your earlier point, Lita, about how they're going to ones that that aren't just all coders, but uh, uh, again, uh, bring together people from throughout the tech community. Sure. So it definitely depends on what you're interested in. And I can tell you the two main sources that I go for events also have their own algorithm, which means that if you search um, for certain keywords, the things that will pop up on top are based on how relevant uh, it is to your search and how close it is to your physical location. Um, so, of course, because these are two tech companies as well, they try to serve you very relevant and timely information. Um, the first is meetup.com and the second is eventbrite.com. So even yesterday, I you know had a free evening. So I, I can tell you how I went about this process. Uh, I uh, uh, am teaching a course in Vancouver and I'm very new to Vancouver. So I wanted to get to meet people who are in a similar industry as me, and to your point, not necessarily go to the same old places I would otherwise. A woman who was hosting a workshop for other women, and it was uh, that same evening, so it was last night, and I signed up. I was on a wait list, but I you know, managed to get off the wait list and, and go in person, and that was really great. And it was something that took probably five to 10 minutes of searching time, but it really depends on your particular interest. So as a marketer, writing is something that's uh, very important to my daily uh, work. So that's something that I really enjoy doing even outside of working hours. For someone, it might be design. So they might want to look for a very specific design meetup that is going to be happening somewhere. I've seen quite a lot of range of great tech meetups uh, for non-techies on both of those websites. Let's talk about the job search itself. How important, Lita, are relationships when you want to break into tech? I would say that it's one of the most important things in the job search. So I'm going to give you a statistic that I found out about today that is not meant to be uh, yeah, difficult to process or to turn you off in any way. But if you're looking at one of those companies that is like the world leader. So we mentioned Google a couple of times. So let's talk about Google. They get over 3 million applications per year for the jobs that they have. So you can be sure that it's definitely a numbers game. And for the large majority of people who are applying at these very large tech companies, 
their applications will get a few seconds of uh, someone looking at them at best, right? And it's not that there's any malintent on behalf of the tech companies that you're applying to. It's just that if you have a relationship of any kind where the person can refer you for the role, then your application will definitely get viewed. Whereas if you're fighting amongst a sea of other applicants, all of whom are applying cold, then it will be much less likely that your application will be given a full, um, you know, minutes worth of, of time. So that's something that I would really recommend is uh, getting to know people in the industry, not just to get referrals, of course, but to get a sense of what you would actually be doing um, in the roles that you'd be applying for. And of course, if you can possibly get them to put in a good word for uh, the role that you, you're applying to or even uh, refer you, that's the best thing you could do uh, for a job um, hunt, especially if you're new to the tech industry. What's your number one tip, Lita, for both uh, building and maintaining those relationships? Because I... I I think our listeners understand how important relationships are during a job search, whatever the sector. But many of us uh, may struggle with uh, both identifying the right people to reach out to and 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 knowing what to ask. What what what's your counsel there? Sure. Uh, so I actually have lived and worked abroad on all continents. So I've, <laughs> I've managed to make my life a lot more difficult because I wanted to travel and work. So what I did is I decided to move around every couple of years, starting to build connection sh- uh, connections with people online. And my favorite platform to do that on is LinkedIn. Of course, it's difficult to uh, do that at the beginning when you, you're very new um, to, to online networking, but just getting a foot in the door and just sharing something that you have similar with that person. Maybe it's your alma mater. Maybe it's an article that you read that they posted. Maybe it's uh, that you have the same uh, role in the company. Um, it could be anything. And I've noticed that people are generally quite open. Of course, the, you wouldn't have a LinkedIn profile if you didn't want people to reach out to you. So that's some some place that I would say you can definitely um, feel like you you don't have to get anxious at all in sending people a request. And then once you build up that confidence and you connect with people and you keep in touch with them, you can also go to events in person and try similarly to build your network that way. And that's something that I would say you definitely need to keep uh, building throughout your life, uh, even if you don't move around as I have, because at the end of the day, it's a relationships business. And I would say relationships are the true currency. So I would say it's definitely very important uh, to know and quantify your impact. Um, the reason for this is that when you're applying for roles, anytime you see that you have a very senior person that you are interviewing with or even just talking to on the phone for a short time, it's almost always their job to ask what your impact will be. It depends. Sometimes they ask you what what is your impact going to be in the first quarter um, or what you think you will do at the company, but it's always really important to also transfer the accomplishments that you have had in the past into what you would do for this company going forward. Um, so that's something that I would very, uh, very much recommend that you uh, prepare for before any interviews. So one thing is it's really important 
um, to know what business problems you'll be solving at the company. Even if you are a designer, you are still solving a business problem, regardless of what role uh, you will be doing. You are working at a business, which means that you are directly uh, going to be impacting um, some problems that they're solving. It's been a yes. great conversation, Lita. Tell us what's next for you. Yeah, so I have organized a few mastermind groups. We've started out doing so for women in tech, um, and it's been really successful. So sometimes people ask, what is a mastermind group? And actually, this is a topic that has been around since the early 1920s. And it was a way for usually quite successful businessmen to get together and solve um, their problems through this mastermind. So we're expanding it to people looking to break into the tech industry and advance their careers in tech. Um, So that's something that I'm working on now. Great. Well, I know people can learn more about that and and your other services by visiting your website. That's pdar.com. We'll be sure to include the URL in uh, the show notes for this episode. Now, Lita, given all the tips you've shared today, what's the one thing you want our audience to remember when they think about Uh, how a non-techie can break into tech? I would say it's really hard to pick just one thing. So I'll give two things. The the one thing that I already mentioned is to uh, establish connections in the industry and definitely grow those uh, relationships. But I would say even beyond that, it's really important to always be learning. So the tech industry is quite fast-paced, as I mentioned, and even entire industries change quite a lot. So when uh, children are asked these days what jobs they um, they want to have in the future, and that's something that I personally really love, is always learning the next um, marketing skill and the, the newest uh, platform because there's always something new out there. So that's something that I would say is definitely the case regardless of what you do in the tech industry. So always be learning. Great. Well, thank you for joining us today, Lita. Yeah, thank you, Mac, for having me. Well, I enjoyed that conversation with Lita Tohidi. I hope you did as well. Lita came back to a point you hear a lot on this show, and that's the importance of relationships, whether you're creating them by going to meetups or events you find on Eventbrite or in other ways, or you're maintaining and growing them uh, through a network you might have created and and documented on your LinkedIn uh, account. However you're approaching relationships, uh, they make a big difference, whether you're working in tech or want to move into tech or are occupied in another field. And when you're paying attention to relationships or you're going to events, you're going to have conversations about your career and what you've done in the past. And while uh, a conversation at a meetup about your past accomplishments isn't a job interview, you will get questions about your past experience and that, uh, and you will get what are called behavioral interview questions in actual job interviews. That's why you'd need to know how behavioral interview questions work. And we've got a guide that can help. It's called 100 Behavioral Interview Questions You Need to Know. You can get your copy today by going to maxlist.org slash questions. Don't be surprised by a tough behavioral interview question at your next job interview. Go to maxlist.org slash questions. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Find Your Dream Job. And please join us next Wednesday 
Our guest expert will be Minda Hartz. She'll explain how to transfer your job skills to a new industry. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job. <laughs>